the reason why people engage with content is is that there's something uh, human, something with which you can sort of um, feel a connection to. Hey, my name is Felix Tia, and I'm the host of Shopify Masters, a weekly podcast powered by Shopify, the easiest way to sell online, in person, and anywhere in between. Each week, we invite entrepreneurs like you to share what they've learned growing successful e-commerce businesses. In this episode, you'll learn what is a licensing deal and how it works, how they use Facebook lead ads that return eight times return on ad spend, and the often missing element that makes your customers engage with your content. Before our show, I wanted to chat about the storefront signage maker. It's an easy way for any brick and mortar shop owner to let your customers know that you are open, available for curbside pickup, delivery, online information, and more. Customize any message you like, automatically create a QR code for your store, then print it off from home. It's easy and simple to use, no design experience required. Create a sign yourself at shopify.com slash signage. Today I'm joined by Jonas Forth from Moomin. Moomin is the number one official Moomin shop online, providing Moomin fans around the globe with the best of the Moomins. It was started in 2015 and based out of Helsinki, Finland, and earned $1.5 million in sales in 2019. Welcome, Jonas. Thank you. Very happy to be here. Yeah, so tell us a bit more about your involvement and how did you get involved in this, uh, I guess, with this with this brand? Um, well, back in 2014, I was asked to join a company which um, started setting up stores for, for different kinds of, of brands. Um, and one of them uh, happened to be Moomin. And we it, it took off and uh, uh, this was sort of done um, as a license deal with the Moomin brand back then. And when the brand saw it took off, they sort of purchased that part uh, of the of the company that I had been part of setting up. And then I became part of, a, of, of the Moomin family. Um, and I've been with them ever since. Okay, got it. So you started off as a as a basically independent company that was licensing had a licensing deal with Moomin. You guys were, were doing a great job with the with the e commerce the e commerce store, and then Moomin came in and decided to buy that piece of the company. Exactly. Got it. Okay, cool. So what, what's your background? How did you get involved in in a company that was uh, basically set up to build stores for different brands? Well, my my background is in media. Uh, originally, I'm, I'm a journalist, but I've always been uh, working in uh, between sort of tech and content. And this was sort of a perfect mix because we're very much content driven. And the original setup for us for not only Moomin but the other brand stores that we that we ran is was that we we put content first. Uh, and and our initial idea was to run the store with very little marketing, so like paid marketing, uh, but instead uh, do content marketing, do content which engages the the fan base and and um, sort of make them share it, uh, engage with it, and uh, eventually perhaps make a purchase. And and it, it was sort of a great. So we we still have the same strategy that we had back in 2014. Um, about putting content front and, and center. Got it. Okay, so when you first uh, started working with Moomin, you mentioned as licensing deal. Can you talk more about that for anyone out there that is interested in starting a business like that where you come in and there is a brand or a almost like a, a, a movement, I guess, within 
that that's, that does not have an online presence and you want to come in and be basically the online presence and online e-commerce store for them? Like what is involved in setting all of that kind of stuff up? Well, uh, naturally, you need a, a licensed deal, uh, which in many cases means you pay um, upwards of 10, 15 percent of your turnover uh, to uh, the, the the brand uh, for using it. Uh, in in our case, I mean, we we, we noticed that Moomin, which it's a it's a fairly large brand, it's one of the uh, top 50, 60 brands in the world, I think, and uh, we we noticed that their website was it was built with Flash uh, back in 2014. It was already an outdated technology. Um, it, it had no analytics. The name of the CEO was spelled incorrectly on the site. And uh, we, we just saw that that this could actually uh, become something big. Um, and and uh, we pursued it, um, uh, contacted the family and and um, that had the rights to the brand. And, and they said, give it a go. And we've done so ever since. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm, I'm sure. I'm sure different brands are, are different in, the, in these cases. But what have you found as something that brands care about when you are approaching them, and you are you know coming with this expertise, whether it be online marketing or a tech background or ability to create content online for their brand? How do you approach them in a way that makes them want to work with you? When I'm sure that there have been others that have approached them in the past. Well, there had been, yes. Uh, yeah, and I think that they, they found that we had, the, re- the reason I think they, they went with with our company was that um, we put content front and center and said that this will become sort of a central part of their branding strategy. Initially, back in 2014, I don't think that they really understood the, the importance of a digital presence. And... Um, it, it as during that year, maybe we'll get into it, sort of what happened. But during that year in 2014, we they quickly realized how important it was for them to control that channel themselves, because it, for us it, it was all about sales then. And and although we did a lot of efforts to to further the brand and do content, which sort of Furthest the brand, it was so very much about the sales, and and the the Moomin uh, Moomin characters, which is the company that that um, um, owns the rights to the Moomin brand. Uh, they found that perhaps it would be better to have a better balance between sort of informative content and commercial, sort of have a have a play between them, and and that was a big part of them uh, then deciding to to purchase the the the, the store right. from us. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's a really good point about how if someone comes in, the commercial or e-commerce business side that is licensing from the brand might not necessarily have conflicting interests, but might have different number one priorities. Like you mentioned, as an e-commerce business, as a, as a commercial uh, business, your focus is on sales, which you know uh, makes sense. That's like the goal for pretty much every business out there. But uh, for the brand, they might care or might have a uh, two number one priorities where you know sales are important, right? Then these this lifeblood of the company, but then they also want to further the brand, like you said. So when those kind of scenarios. What? How does it usually play out? Like, obviously, they purchased you guys in this case, or purchased that 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 part of the business. Uh, but usually, how does it play out if that doesn't happen? 
Well, I, I think there's um, it, it differs from brand to brand. Um, some might have a bigger emphasis on sales, some on doing things which fits the brand better. Uh, um, we for in our case, we we kind of quit very early, early on struck a balance between the two, regardless of sort of uh, them purchasing the company then later on or not we, we we still had that kind of balance because we saw that that is what the fan base for, for movement really wanted they didn't want that hardcore sort of sales uh approach so it was also in your in your best interest to to focus on building up the brand because that that was expectation from their fan base so once you were brought into the movement brand, once they bought, again, the commercial piece of the business that you were a part of, what was that transition like? It was very smooth. Um, I, we, uh, the team that we had, we were three people. We uh, felt immediately at home with the, uh, with the movement family. Uh, it's a very small uh, company still, it's, um, and I think we consciously want to keep it that way. We're about 16, 70 people. Um, including the the e-commerce um, side of it, uh, mainly we're working with uh, the, the sort of furthering the brand and making sure that the brand is used in the right way. Um, and then, of course, um, um, trying to engage the the fan base. Uh, but it, it it was very it was very smooth and immediately since we got more resources, we could do more. And we we hired uh, additional people. We've since done. Uh, much more content. We 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 doubled down on doing content uh, after joining Moomin officially, and and it's it's been quite quite uh, yeah quite a trip. Uh, and and the uh, Moomin in general has has grown uh, tremendously uh, in the past. I think in the past twelve years, it's it's grown grown tenfold and. And the the e-commerce or digital side of that has helped tremendously. Mm. So you you say that it was the company has less that has sixty or seventy people. Is that what you said? Oh uh, no, sorry, sixteen. Oh, uh, 17. Wow, that's yeah. that's even crazier. So it's a global brand. You mentioned that it is you know one of the top top brands and recognizable brands in the world, ran by less than twenty people. So what what kind of advantages do you find that that has for a company that small to have such a a you know a, a big following, a big brand? Well, we're I would say that one of the the strongest side that we have we're, we're extremely agile. We we can. I'm, I'm I'm not joking. We can come up with an idea on Monday, and by Friday, it's like implemented uh, throughout the organization, throughout sort of the, the bigger organization with all the licensees, and it's 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 very fast moving. Can you give examples of something that that you guys had done where you make a decision, and then how quickly you've been able to execute on it? Well, I'll, I'll mention the the campaign that we're running this year. Uh, it, it's called RC, uh, and uh, the, what we're doing is we're um, um, it's a fundraiser for a a um, uh, foundation called the Jon Norman Foundation, and their mission is to clean the Baltic Sea, which is sort of the the sea. Uh, surrounding Finland basically and it's a very polluted sea and uh, we're, we're collecting money for it and it it 
came about as a brainchild of the CEO of, of, of Moomin Characters, um, just on a, a sort of a, at, a, at a dinner he had with with a member of of, of the the foundation, and it, it didn't take us more than maybe a month, and then we had fifty people, licensees, large corporations. Uh, various partners sitting at the same table, coming up with what the what, what it should be, and it went live about one and a half years later uh, uh, as one of the largest fundraising campaigns ever done in Finland, and we're well on our way to collecting the money for for, for the cause. So mm-hmm. it, it's uh, it's since uh, Moomin Characters has um, owns the rights to everything connected to the movements we have the capability of, of implementing or deciding what to do um on a moment's notice and do you have a lot of, like i guess partnerships to help execute on this because I, I can imagine like the the team that that is like at the core of it making making these decisions and and kind of managing all of it but it sounds like it's it, it does require maybe i'm incorrect but does it require outsourcing or like partners to help execute on a lot of this uh, of course, uh, if well, we have of course a uh, our excellent partner, Rights and Brands uh, Licensing, which handles uh, the worldwide licensing uh, t- together with agents around the world. Um, but when it comes to the e-commerce side, uh, we 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 have basically outsourced anything that we that isn't related to direct communication with the fans uh, or related to. Uh, so the protection of the brand. So, uh, you know, we do in-house um, uh, sort of uh, approvals. Uh, we do in-house content and, and so forth. But but everything related to automated, all those kind of things. A lot of sort of um, putting in metadata about the products, things like that. Uh, all of that is is outsourced. Got it. So, was this a change that happened during your your tenure? Well, no, I, I'd say that we, we pretty much implemented when, when we started, when we came to Moomin Characters, it was, it was not really, uh, perhaps that digitally savvy. Um, and we, we started implementing things which would allow us to work in a more agile way, just communicating because we have people in, in different parts of the world that we work with on a daily basis. So, you know, the, just the basics, um, Started using uh, Google calendars and, and you know Drive and Dropbox and Slack and all of these, uh, which has come quite in handy during these times since uh, the transition from having people at the office to not having people at the office working from home. Uh, it was basically not a through. It, there was no problems attached to this at all. Yeah, I'm sure that that this this. Uh... I guess global issue has certainly opened a lot of people's eyes to how they can be more ready to uh, compete, you know, globally without requiring people to be on site in the same same space. Yeah. So when you when when you are deciding what to outsource, you mentioned again anything that's not related to direct communications with the fans and protection of the brand. You guys almost like. Uh, uh, you got you guys are very um, proactive about outsourcing. So can you talk to us about how do you decide what needs to be outsourced? Like what is that decision process like? Rule of thumb for us is that you need to because the the brand is quite specific. The, perhaps I'll, I'll just 
briefly share sort of the brand and what, what's it based on. So the brand is, uh, is based on a series of books that came out between 1945 and uh, 1970, 1975, uh, written by an author and uh, illustrator, or artist, Tove Janssen, a Swedish-speaking uh, Finn. And um, uh, for the fan base, uh, has sort of grown over time since the 40s, and it's the, it's it's a it has a huge following around the world. the The turnover in general for Moomin um, or goods sold worldwide is is in the range of about 800 million. So, uh, so it's, it it is sort of a, a global brand, and they're really super fans in in all parts of the world. Uh, but in order for us to be able to outsource something, it cannot have a uh, anybody who works with the brand needs to have a deep understanding of, of what it means about the stories and and about uh, how um, sort of what what movement is about. And for example, when uh, we could outsource our support, um, we, we have a number of people attached to our support handling, you know, orders and asking, uh, answering questions that people might have, but it would be very hard for us to, uh, outsource it since anybody who answers emails, uh, for us or, or, you know, requests coming in needs to have a very deep understanding of the brand and what we found, we tried to do it, but what we found is that, that it, we need to have people who are basically who have grown up with the stories, who who can come in uh, and really talk to us, or we, who we have a, a close connection to, so that we can, if they have ten questions during a week, which they need to have a deeper, be able to do that. So outsourcing something like that to a call center or you know a, a support center somewhere, uh, I. I we, we just couldn't get it to work. Mm, got it. Okay, so once you do decide that something is or should be outsourced, how do you roll it out? How do you begin the process of outsourcing? Well, I would say that anything that we roll out needs to have a global approach or sort of a global scope. Uh, so it, it, we virtually never do anything um, locally. Uh, if if we roll something out, something that has to be able to um, be rolled out in other countries, um, it needs to. So it needs to scale. It needs to have. Um, uh, it, there needs to be an economic sense in it. So would we rather outsource it? Does it make sense from an economic standpoint? Yeah, mostly it's about the brand, actually, it's, uh, and about the the understanding of it. Got it. So when you do outsource, are you still also looking for people that completely understand the brand, or does it depend on the function of the the, the role that you're outsourcing for? Well, I mean, something like um, fulfilling uh, orders, that it, it doesn't require um, specifically that you know the brand. Um, although that the ones that we work with now, uh, they, they did know the brand and they were thrilled to have us on board, uh, as, as we were their, their, uh, employees. Um, but I would say that when it comes to like, um, like technical support systems or anything else where, where we sort of 
uh, acquire tools with which we can then do it more effectively. Uh, in, in that sense, then we just look at whatever is, is, is the best one on the market and has um, has a, a global uh, presence. Got it. Okay, so anything that almost involves like personal communications with the fans, you want to keep in house, which makes sense. Now, when you you mentioned that anything that you do roll out needs to be globally deployed, what does that mean? Like, how do you have to think about how to to roll something out when you need to support basically a global brand? Yeah, good question. Because we, when we started out, um, I had I had. Well, I I dabbled in e-commerce. I'd I'd um, uh, consult companies on it. I'd never run an e-commerce company myself. And when we started, we we thought, well, we'll go global from day one. Like, how hard can it be? And it turned out that it's very hard um, from <laughs> from all aspects. So it's if you look at it from like. Uh, taxation aspect or uh, just fulfillment aspect or from a, uh, a border checking like uh, toll um, uh, customs point of view it, it, there's there's like immediately when you go out of your own country or or um, uh, just outside of your your near areas it there's so many other things that come into play uh, and we didn't take that into account back in 2014. We actually didn't start with Shopify. Shopify was quite a, uh, it wasn't that well known back in 2014. Uh, it was, it, it, it was sort of just starting out, especially in Europe where we're located. And we actually went with a very, um, because we had a lot of requirements in terms of currencies and it need to be multi-language and all kinds of things. And we chose a technology uh, initially, which didn't scale at all. It was very high maintenance. Uh, it required a lot of development work and it just slowed us down immensely. And and we we tried to scale it from, for example, in, in, in Japan. Uh, because Moomin is basically uh, has the biggest following in the Nordic countries, uh, in Europe and then in in Japan, and we opened up another store in Japan, and it just didn't work. Uh, we we were just using all our resources and just updating the site, where whereas the our focus should have been in running the store and in um, you know furthering the brand, making sales. And we just decided then in 2014, and also when when Moomin bought it, that we will tran- uh, transition to a solution which uh, is has much less maintenance, which would allow us to sort of focus on the business side of it. And it was still a gamble back in 2015 to, at least in Europe, to to uh, start using something like like Shopify uh, because. Um, I think in Finland we were probably one of the first, if not the first one, to start using it, um, and it it didn't really have a, a European side to it. Then a lot of the things were were very uh, Canadian or or US centric, and um, yeah, but it 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 paid off. It was completely the right solution for us because we it allowed us to to free up resources and and just. Um, focus on 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 building the brand and building the, the store 
and yeah got it so when you think about global deployment you need to find something you need to find solutions that will scale and almost focus on how can we optimize this from the beginning because i think a lot of people that are starting businesses that are listening are are not at the global scale they're certainly not at the moving characters uh, scale um, but when they do start thinking about how do can they expand they have to start thinking about how do we expand without adding in overhead right because you mentioned that when you do when you guys initially tried to expand there was a lot of maintenance a lot of almost like manual massaging of your process to make it fit uh, within other countries or other languages but then once you've been able to rely on technology to uh, handle a lot of those those differences those changes it, it sounded like that's when you're freed up to get focus back on the business so it, so you mentioned a couple of times now about how the core driver of the business and down to not just the sales that you guys have been able to generate, but also down to furthering the brand comes down to the content and the content marketing that you do. So tell us more about this. Like what is the content that you speak of? Uh, well, uh, we're very heavy on, on text-based um, content. So we still do traditional blog posts um, and what we anticipated back in 2014 and the reason why we didn't um, immediately just pull put all our money into Facebook and Instagram advertising was uh, that we just saw that it, it, it was going to be a very crowded space, which we are seeing now, uh, and that the prices would go up and that people perhaps at some point would be, you know have ad fatigue and we 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 saw that well, using marketing we see that if you use paid marketing it's it's sort of use it once and in the best case scenario you get a sale or or maybe uh, an email out of it uh, but but if you do content if you do really good engaging content that will pay off today, tomorrow, next year, and in five years. And uh, we've actually been fortunate in, in that sense that because we've emphasized, we've put so much emphasis on on, on uh, text-based content and on SEO on it, uh, that about 35% of our sales comes through um, organic search. Another 30% comes through traffic and then uh, about 25% from uh, from our newsletters. Uh, and these are all sort of uh, content driven in one way or the other. So so we we, we basically we, we, we said we're going to make like two, three written pieces of content every week, which allows us to send a bi weekly newsletter containing the best parts from, from the past two weeks, uh, um, doing competitions, um, various things just to engage the, the 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 fan base. We we don't have a huge following on on social media. Uh, it, it is uh, significant, and of course it helps. But we've never really um, uh, had that as a focus. We've seen that as sort of a by a byproduct of, of of just putting content out there. Sure. And um, yeah. Yeah, I mean, definitely, definitely uh, not the norm these days to focus more on text-based and on SEO. It's not as uh, shiny, right, as social media. So I think that you're onto something about not following the crowd, which again causes the saturation that you're talking about and drives the cost of 
acquiring new customers up. So you mentioned that the key to to your text-based content strategy is to have engaging content. Can you say more about this? Like how if someone's sitting down and they're like, okay, I want to spend more time and have a long-term play almost and focus more on creating content, content marketing and, and SEO. How can they how should they start thinking about how to create content so that it is engaging? Well, the, the, the very first thing that we did when we um, when we put our content uh, plan in place, we we read the books um, and sort of read everything we could about movement and, and um, came up with with 10 central values through uh, that we could create content around so so values like universal values like family and love and adventure and joy and we decided that that all content that we create must revolve around these themes in 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 one way or the other um and uh, in order for us to have sort of a, a red thread running through the whole thing the reason why people engage with content is, is that there's something uh, human, something with which you can sort of um, feel a connection to. And and, and uh, the reason why people follow, say, a brand is, apart from having a fear of missing out, but, but uh, having sort of having a connection with it and having a consistent pulse from, from the brand. And that's why it was important that we that we commit to doing quite a lot of content, um, uh, so so that we, you know, pe- people people will get a feel of of, of um, what the brand was because it's it, before 2014, it, it, before we started creating anything digital or, or content online, the the brand had been defined by various other um, um, partners connected to to the to the moment brand so uh, we we felt that we we need to sort of bring it back into and focus it on on things which uh, can be found in the original uh, the works by by Toby Anson so so um, yeah that, that that's the that's the way we we thought about it but but, but sort of a, as a general rule that that in order for some to have followers you need to have a very you need you need to sort of tell them what you're all about and and stay on that narrow path and 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 stay true to to that sort of path and and instead of being all over the place yeah so a couple of things to say there. I think you mentioned so you mentioned stay on that narrow path. I think that this is a a hard thing to do for a lot of people because we start to think, okay, I, want, I need if I'm going to go the content marketing strategy, I need to create a lot of content and focus on on quantity a lot of times. And I think when you are focused on hitting certain numbers, like you know five blog posts a week, you start looking for ways to just fill up your content calendar, fill up your blog, and you start. Uh, diverging from that path. So tell us more about how do you make sure that you are, again, following a narrow path and being very clear about how you want your brand to be represented, uh, especially in text form? Well, we, we, we say no to, to stuff. So we, we, we do try to help. A big part of our, our, our job is to help 
the ones who are licensing goods. So if I didn't say it already, we have about 750 licensees around the world creating awesome uh, products uh, uh, and services around moving games and and theme parks and different kinds of, 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 of licensed items. Um, and we work with virtually all of them in, in one way or the other. But if if uh, if we did everything that was requested, we would have no, no time to do it all. So so we, we say no to a lot of things. If it doesn't really, if we can't craft a story around what's really engaging about the, the new thing. We have a saying like a pen, a new pen is not a, uh, you know, that's not news. But you know what? What is the the idea behind the pen? Why would you use this pen over over another one? Uh, you know, the, the, if 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 one is branded with movement and one is just a regular pen, so so you need to, to sort of find the deeper story behind behind the the, the thing that you're writing about. Mm-hmm. If you see what I mean, right? Yeah. So I think, yeah, I think. Um, you're basically talking about selling the story rather than selling like the the product on the, just the face value of the product. I think that that's a really, exactly. Yeah. So 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 one one example is that we uh, if there there might be listeners who have Moomin mugs. It's a it's sort of a phenomenon. Um, it's uh, it, it started in 1990s. Uh, the oldest company, actually, in Finland, um, uh, called Fiskars, started manufacturing uh, mugs, uh, which had illustrations of the movements on them. And so far, about 100 of them have been created. I think it, it can partially be, be uh, compared to like collecting Starbucks mugs or something like that. But these are really nice mugs. And what we always say is that we don't, uh, we're not selling mugs. We're sort of selling a, a a a nicer morning with your children, because that's a, a big part of why people buy the mugs because they're very uh, they're lovely to to drink your morning coffee out of. So so that's the way we try to create sort of a deeper story than just to say you know buy a mug. Yeah, so there, there are lots of people talking about the brand, representing the brand, because there's some different products. Now you mentioned over 700, I think, in 50 licensees. How do you make sure that you are the main storyteller or your story is the one that is kind of, you know, uh, cutting through the, the noise? Again, because there's so many other people talking about the brand. How do you make sure that you, I'm not going to say control the conversation, but at least dominate it so that the other licensees or all the other partners that are involved know where to look for for direction. Well, that was that was a big part of, of creating the, the the site to sort of give us a, a spine or give us sort of one uh, one place to from from where to um, act and from where to communicate. Uh, I I, th- I think we're actually we're not controlling the story. I think the the, the fans are actually. It, it, much more control in the story um, because they're the one engaging with it and, and telling it, uh, retelling it in the way that they want. So, so there's a huge amount of user-generated content being created every day, much more than what our licensees do. Uh, but I, I think it took about two, three years for us to convince the licensees to uh, work with us on crafting the messaging 
uh, it used to be, like I said, it used to be all, all over the place. Uh, and we, we wanted to bring it, make a narrow path, sort of uh, bring the focus closer to the to the, um, uh, the original stories and, and the values that we that we set out to craft content around. But we we um, it's it's something that we discuss every day. I mean, we we get um, story ideas. We have licensees coming in saying, you know, we 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 want you to uh, push these uh, t-shirts. And if if for example, and and if we can't really craft a, a compelling story around that, it we don't see uh, that we perhaps pursue that. As deeply, at least, uh, maybe we do it in some other way. But, um, but it's yeah, it's it's uh, their choices from from day to day. But a lot of the licensees really really work with us on it, and and we work with um, finding the right audience for them. Um, um, we um, do uh, uh, a lot of segmenting, and, you know, trying to find. The right audience for them, and and working together with them on, on doing that. Mm-hmm. So once you are able to figure out the theme, the story you want to tell, the feeling that you want to convey, when it comes down to the actual putting the pen to paper, who is the one? How do you make sure that the content is being written? You guys, you mentioned that you have that this kind of stuff in house. What's the team like that creates the the content? We have four content producers, uh, which work with content in various forms. They make videos, um, they go out and interview people, um, they, you know, rewrite, um, um, like, um, and, you know, communiques from, from companies. Uh, it, it's, it, it varies a lot, but, uh, the, uh, they're actually old friends of mine. Really well together really uh, amazing people um, they've been creating content for close to 15 20 years and and really know really know this stuff and and of course they're all moomin fans themselves as well as well and and then we, we have one uh, one person handling the marketing side of uh, of moomin sort of making sure that the the right uh, messages go out in the right channels in the right way, and um, yeah, so we 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 did it. We uh, uh, three four years back, we really put an emphasis on um, on hiring more people on on the content side, and we'll probably hire more. Um, when we started out, we we would just basically be. I have a background in journalism, and then one other uh, person who who was doing the. Uh, doing content uh, aside from running the store, so it's now it's much more of a now we have a much more holistic approach to the whole thing. Hey, real quick, if you're enjoying the show, please leave us a review on iTunes. Let us know what you think or what you'd like to hear more of. Now, let's get back to the interview. Mm-hmm, got it. Now, when you are working with writers, can you talk to us about how how I guess best to work with writers, or what kind of input do they do they need to do their job? Yeah, good question. Well, I I, I think a, a good writer can craft a story out of out of anything. Um, we all know the foundation that we that we sort of um, that we need to craft it based on. So the the original stories and 
we can't divert too much from that. Um, it, yeah, I don't know <laughs> what, what what what's uh, it. it Basically, if you talk to people, you know, if you interview them or, you know, get a bit of background, you can craft a story based virtually and just on based on that. And you mentioned, too, that obviously the goal with the content is for 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 SEO purposes. Any advice there for anyone out there that's starting out with creating content for the first time? What are some best practices on on making sure that you're creating content pieces that will actually rank in search engines? Well, at least starting out, um, what we found, um, we work with uh, many other brands as well um, through the, the the rights agency that that we, uh, which is our partner. Uh, what we find is that a lot of the legacy brands, when they come in, they They've never virtually done any content at all online. So what you need to do is, is you need to put out something. Um, you need, if there is a site, make sure that, um, you know, put some analytics on it and let it run for three, six months, something like that. And, um, and, and then you start analyzing what, what, where are people coming from? What are people interested in just based on, on search keywords? Um, Make sure that you um, start crafting more content around those keywords, which bring in more people, hopefully, and then then you'll get more um, keywords to work with. Um, fill out all the metadata. Um, do your sort of the nitty gritty work to uh, to make sure that Google uh, indexes it uh, correct. You know headings and you know having it well structured. I mean Shopify. It's, it's quite well structured just out of the box but the same thing for wordpress or drupal or or what you're running so it it this is the this is the eternal question of of uh you know the google moves in mysterious ways so you never really know what, what what's sort of around the corner right now uh, since uh, a lot of uh, things um are Search based, so uh, or um, or voice search based. It uh, we we try to make sure that that everything is is structured like technically correctly, so that you know you have headings and you have um, paragraphs and you have all of these things. So it, so you can index it uh, much more accurately. Mm -hmm. And you mentioned that you promote the content through your newsletter. We do. Yes, we we send it out uh, biweekly. It's. Um, it has um, great opening rate. Uh, it's about thirty percent um, click-through rate is great through uh, too, and um, it brings in about twenty-five percent of our turnover. Turnover, so so we 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 put a lot of um, emphasis on on getting more um, emails through like uh, through Google uh, Facebook leads. Uh, Various places on the site, um, on at offline events, anywhere we can we can get them because because we we uh, ev otherwise we we basically have to go through gatekeepers like Google or or Facebook or somebody else. Uh, Newsletters news allows us to have that direct contact with people, and and uh, it's it's in a way. Like and well, it's owned media, and we're very big on owned media, and we we 
we hope together with the other brands as well that we're working with build you know more and more uh, of our own media so we can start cross promoting uh, from from other brands uh, or from movement to other brands and from other brands to movement and so forth uh, also through the newsletter so so uh, yeah I, as a general tip a lot, a lot of people I, I talk with are like why you know who are starting out they're like why would I do you know email email is like isn't that dead like all the money is in, in social media and I'm I'm always like no that you know every Every email address that you get is is, is gold. Uh, we have a, I think we have a uh, an acquisition cost per email of about uh, eighty cents, and we we calculate that we get about annually six euros per per email. So that we that we send out. So wow. it's like six seven times the uh, return. So when you are sending out these newsletters, it sounds like you're sending them out to promote content pieces. How do they lead to actual sales? Well, people click through, <laughs> but we, we don't, uh, we, we try, I think every third newsletter we lead with a commercial um, aspect. The other ones are more, more like, hey, you, you can win, um, you know, five sweatshirts for your friends and you, or, or, you know, something else that there's a new theme park just outside of Tokyo. So these kind of soft things which lead people into it uh, but there's all, always a commercial uh, element in all our newsletters and we we uh so are you like linking directly to like product pages where yes, you're just yes. okay so so the newsletter is broken up into like a content piece section uh, updates but then also specifically to to feature and then drive traffic to like a product page yeah, exactly. So, so the way it's built up is that we we always have on top we have the, the main news story from the past week and, and two smaller ones, and then we have uh, three products which we feature because we have about every year we have about two two to three hundred new products, and so we feature every week three new products or or the top ones from the last week, and um, and then we also. Uh, we all, we also have some cross promotion to to other stores that we run, uh, and then we have a recap uh, of smaller stories that say we saw something really cool on Twitter or or something fun on Instagram or um, the new the New Yorker just wrote a piece on on Tovi Anson. So so we we sort of link those smaller stories as a compilation of of, of different small news articles in in, in one place. But we have a certain structure for the emails. People know what to expect and, and to, to click on. Got it. Now, you mentioned briefly that you also have used Facebook leads to collect emails for your newsletter. How, how well does that work? I would say it's worked really well. I, I think on a for us on a weekly basis, I think we get maybe 500 something around that. Um, it's uh, it's highly cost effective, as I mentioned. Um, the sort of return on investment is like seven times, and and since we the we have an integration, so so Facebook has the background integrations with uh, various um, email um, services. Uh, the the leads basically go into our service automatically. And so, and it also checks. With the, the good thing is with Facebook leads that it's able to check which 
who is already subscribed. So it doesn't show um, the leads to people who are already subscribed to uh, to the newsletter list. Now, what what do the ads for this look like? I think you know I, I've seen Facebook leads before as a as an option to 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 uh, drive traffic to drive uh, users to sign up for your email list. But what do your ads look like that's been able to be so effective? Like what incentivizes people to want to give their email address to join your newsletter? To be honest, I think we've actually run the same one since Facebook enabled it. Uh, it's it is uh, there. Other characters in in the moment stories. One is Moomin Troll, which is the the head character, and his um, kind of girlfriend, uh, Snork Maiden. And the the image that we use, and we've used it from the start, is is them uh, hugging. And um, I don't quite remember what what it says, but I think it it says like uh, join us or join the Moomin family or something like that. And um, and find, be the first one to find out about uh, Moomin News um, events and and um, I think uh, the best offers, something like that. But it's a very like we, we don't we don't have A B. We we just have the one message. And I, I think for for anybody who's a, a Moomin fan, that's that's about it. What they want, sort of want. Right. I think there's something to be said then. A- about the, the power of building up the brand makes it a lot easier to get these these conversions for for cheap. You know, I think that your investment again in in, in that is certainly paying off, and and your your organic uh, strategy definitely will pay off in your your paid strategy, causing it to be cheaper. So I think uh, you're certainly seeing that play out here. Um, so you, you mentioned a couple a couple of tools that you guys use Google the Google Drive. And the Google suite of products you mentioned Slack. Are there any other apps that you use that you recommend other people check out, either on Shopify or, or off of Shopify? Uh, well, uh, I, I'd mentioned one uh, or I, I have several, but Printful is is one that we use for. We're not actually using it for Moomin directly on the, on the Moomin store, but we run another um, store called ScandiBrand.com, which has other brands as well. It's it's also. Uh, um, uh, um, built on on Shopify, and the uh, and it's connected to Printful, and I I, I mean I, you seldom see something work that seamlessly and really just deliver. Uh, basically, the the we the store runs itself, <laughs> so so uh, Printful is a print on demand service which has um, um, manufacturing capabilities in I think Mexico and, and the U.S. and and Latvia here in here here in Europe, and it just worked perfectly. It fulfills orders comes in, um, come in they they get fulfilled. Uh, the um, uh, customer gets all the information they need, you know, and and it just runs perfectly. It, it, I'm I was actually amazed when we set it up that how well it it plays because we we basically don't touch it. We just send traffic to it and. And uh, and and do content for it, and and then it just then just the orders just come in, and since there's no uh, real uh, inventory risk with it, everything is done uh, print on demand. It's just a really good kind of side project for us. Well, so so Printful is really I, I've I've spoken with uh, a, a number of people there, and and they're really really I think they run a really uh, nice um, 
service. One which uh, uh, I have a couple of, of, of uh, ones which I could sort of bring up because they they helped us tremendously. We we um, when we first started out with Shopify, we had a we had a plethora of, of of apps. You can go a little bit crazy with the apps just because there there's so much of them. But but the problem is that what you end up doing is you create silos. Um, so silos for reviews or let's say silos for abandoned cart emails or silos for you know any data that you collect and we we thought long we used uh, at, at one point mailchimp which is uh, a very good service it was just that we wanted to bring everything together and and we uh we we're looking at different alternatives and we ran across a company called, I think it was called Receiptful uh, initially. Another company which uh, we uh, uh, use, we I think we were one of the first company uh, companies starting using it is um, a company called, uh, it's now called Campaign Monitor Commerce. It was then called Receiptful or Conversio. And what it does is that it brings together um, data from various sources from search or from uh, uh, browsing um, history or from reviews or from just purchase history. And it crafts messages which are unique to every customer that uh, or uh, all visitors that come to the site and in one way or the other leave their their email. And um, we were struggling earlier with having a lot of different silos. And also running our our newsletters um, sort of separate from from the uh, from the other functions like reviews and stuff. And campaign monitor commerce just pulled that all together, and and we uh, we we had really good results with it. So so basically, since it just runs in the background and crafts the individual emails for everybody, we we just set it up and, and make sure that the messages are very in line with the brand. Um, and then it just works its magic in the background. It, it, I mean, there are a lot of alternatives, uh, Clavio, for example, but I think it's just a little bit more uh, cost-effective for us. Um, so we, we've been super happy with that. And, and coupled that with, with the emails, we, we were somewhat struggling because there's so many emails that you can send out Shopify, we um, struggled sort of um, maintaining them and making them pretty, because the, uh, if uh, if you don't know Shopify um, coding, uh, the, the um, actually coding the the emails can be a little bit daunting. Uh, but there's an app called Orderly Emails, which uh, it's a huge time saver for us. It's like a it's like a plug and play email designer tool. And uh, great value for money. I think it's like $49 one-time fee. And then you just install it. You do all your emails. And um, that's it. And it's it's been great for us. Awesome. So shop.movement.com is a website. What are some of your big goals for 2020? Well, uh, well, we have great plans. I mean, we, not only for, for the e-commerce. What, what we're doing uh, on the e-commerce side is uh, we're consolidating because we have other stores. I mentioned Japan uh, earlier on. We also have uh, official stores in, um, in China and uh, in Korea and in, uh, in the UK. 
And what we're doing now is we're creating a, a mutual front for all of them. So moving like more in a uh, towards omni-commerce. So, so people will have a similar kind of experience and can engage with all of the official online processes of a moment in the same way. And, you know, having returns to different places, you don't have to send it back to the same place from where you, where you got it. If you sort of order it, if it would be closer to send it to, to another store closer by. And so we're in a, a consolidating phase right now and, and sort of working more closely with, with the other stores um, in general for, for the moment brand. Well, we're, uh, of course, fo- focusing in, on our RC campaign, uh, but we have big plans. Uh, we have uh, we're expanding greatly in in, in Asia, especially in, in China, um, and um, we um, yeah we 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 uh, we we hope so far. I mean, the the last the past couple of years, we've had a growth rate of about 20 percent. Uh, for for moving characters and and we think that will that will sort of uh, be our course in the in the next next years as well, uh, regardless of this um, uh, situation that we have now. But but it's it's sort of a blip, just a small blip on in in our history. Awesome! Thank you again so much for coming on and sharing experience, Jonas. Thank you. Great being here. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of Shopify Masters, the e-commerce podcast for ambitious entrepreneurs powered by Shopify.